This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Navigant Credit Union. As Rhode Island's first ever member-owned credit union, Navigant Credit Union has been a staple in the local business community for more than 108 years. Today, Navigant is a $3.4 billion institution serving more than 136,000 members across 25 physical branch locations. But since its founding in 1915, the mission has never changed. Navigant Credit Union's team of financial professionals have remained committed to improving the financial well-being of the families, businesses, and communities they serve across Rhode Island. Learn more at NavigantCU.org. Connor McManus is a marine biologist with Rhode Island's Department of Environmental Management. And, you know, yesterday I heard a story on the New York radio of four shark attacks off the coast of Long Island. And apparently there's all kinds of shark spottings that are taking place they're actually using drones on Long Island and and into New York's beaches, New York City beaches, to try to kind of monitor the situation, if you will. You know, look, sharks off the coast of Rhode Island, it's nothing new. It's not like this is a, you know, a, a brand new phenomenon or something like that. And if I remember right, the last fatal shark attack off of Rhode Island was in like the 1800s or something like that. But I figured, hey, here we are. It's a beautiful July day. Plenty of people are going to the beach why not talk sharks? It's kind of fun anyway. It's certainly not intended. This is not like the fear-mongering, you know, like type of situation here. This is more just out of curiosity. And they're also spectacular animals. So, Connor, thanks so much for your time this morning and uh, for hopping on with like a day's notice. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. All right, let's talk about that. Let's get right to it. What does the average Rhode Islander or person visiting Rhode Island's beaches need to know when it comes to sharks? I think, and I think some of it, you hit the nail on the head right away, but you know, the first off is that sharks have been here for as long as, longer than any of us um, coming through Rhode Island waters. And from the naturalist or ecologist perspective too, Rhode Island is uniquely home to many different species of shark at some point throughout the year, whether it's um, summer migrants that will kind of skirt the waters off of Block Island, south of the island, or whether they're um, coastal sharks that move in between the island and the mainland within state waters. Um, and there are a number of different species of sharks from the um, from the more commercially sought after species like dogfish, smooth dogfish and spiny dogfish that folks are rather familiar with to some of the others that are um, considered more apex predators and higher up in the food web and food chain like blue sharks or short fin makos and thresher sharks um, and even um, white sharks. What's your take in terms of, you know, we see with, with Long Island right now and, and New York City, they have this sort of surveillance system in place that involves drones and even, as I had alluded to in the open there, that there were four incidents of, of shark bites. Not really sure what the extent of it is. We don't know what time of day the person, we may know, but I, I don't know the time of day that the person uh, or persons who were bitten were in the water, what type of water they were in, whether it was murky, but... What's your take when you, as a marine biologist here, just down the sound, so to speak, uh, or one sound over, there is this um, sort of cluster of shark incidents over the course of the weekend? What's your reaction to that? Well, certainly an anomaly, you know, in terms of what what the observation um, or what has occurred, you know, over the last week or so, just to the west of us, um, you know, in, in to your point, thinking about the circumstances, what were the things that occurred around those attacks that 
um, you know, um, are part just of the natural system of what, of what were the sharks being sharks or what was things that we, uh, beach go or what can beach goers do to try and mitigate some of these interactions. Um, I think that the, you spoke to the drone footage. That's a really unique, uh, tool to be able to use to survey for sharks. Um, in Rhode Island, we use various aerial types of surveys for different fish monitoring programs, not specifically for white sharks as much, but it is something we've looked into. Um, and it certainly, uh, has a great use in trying to identify uh, fin types, for example, for, for beachgoers, particularly if you're trying to distinguish from afar whether a fin's a shark or a dolphin or a sunfish. Um, so there's a real great utility in that tool um, for that. And then um, in many of the other sort of contexts, you know, trying to instill or, um, again, promote safe swimming, right, you know, with folks, uh, try if, if possible, try and swim in groups and not alone. Try and avoid dawn and dusk. Try and avoid swimming in entirely murky water. And and most oftentimes, these incidences are not, um, they can even be defensive as opposed to combative or attacking in nature of the species. So a lot of that is trying to just uh, minimize uh, an, an uh, interaction on accident, even in that. But, um, you know, it is... The analogous part, I guess, is that um, many of the species that are off New York are ones that do um, at minimums come through Rhode Island at some point in the season. You know, and again, that depends on where you are in Rhode Island. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're a unique state in that we have this entity of Block Island that's, you know, really oceanic in nature in terms of its position. And then we have coastal Rhode Island, which then these two different kind of contrasting ecosystems will support different species migrating through uh, at different times of the year and um, different migration paths for all types of fish, of which can vary through season and by size of the animal. So um, these are even things that we're starting to tease out a bit for not just sharks, but other species using various tools and technology. Um, but, you know, as a, as the fisheries agency, we're trying to get a better handle of really the seasonality of these species. When do they come? Why do they come? And how long do they hang around for uh, to not just inform, um, you know, public safety efforts in the state for the state beaches, but then also to try and just in, enhance um, uh, the our, our knowledge base in ecology for the shark species in general. I'm going to cue in my mind anyway, the Jaws theme song here and uh, the listeners can certainly imagine it if they'd like. Feel free to dismiss that t- tired, you know, song and, and, and sort of gimmick. But is it safe to go in the water in Rhode Island? I mean, I'm I'm going in the water no matter what, but the it, it, is there anything to worry about? Is there something that 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 when you see, oh man, there are all these sharks spotted off of Long Island. There were four attacks or bites or maybe not attacks, as you said, because it very well could have been a defensive situation. You know, the average Rhode Islander, the average person going to you're at East Matunic right now. You're out of Musquamakin. Maybe you're at um, you know Mansion Beach on Block Island. And is this anything that you should keep in in the front of your mind? And if so, what should you be aware of specifically in terms of public safety? Yeah, I, I, so I don't think there's anything to be increasingly worried about from any other year, you know, whether it's last year or 100 years ago. I mean, again, these are species that have been inhabiting coastal Rhode Island waters for centuries at this point. Um, and the question really comes down to just um, like what what does one – what can one do to enhance uh, 
their own safety or uh, mitigate any prospective interactions. And, you know, and I mentioned a couple of those tools and they're helpful to be mindful of, but I mean, uh, the, the interactions or any types of prospective attacks are really, uh, the probability is really low. Um, and the idea of just trying to make sure that uh, certain t certain tips and and um, and tools are you know used or remembered when when op when being at beaches, I think, is important because it is a it is an ecosystem that you're that we're walking into every time that we're going in there, whether it's crabs or striped bass or you know or sand tiger sharks, right? The, you know, they have things living in the ocean, um, and so do, I don't think any there should be. Um, I think the, this anomalous event is it should draw questions as to what um, you know where the species you know are is there an increased number or there are some of these biological questions that allow us to better understand the the interaction between society and, and apex predators. But you know, in terms of does this cause it in a, a, another particular increase in concern? Um, I don't think I don't I wouldn't have any elevated risk. Or a beachgoer compared to any other year at this point, um, and sharks, you know, they'll there are somewhat traditional paths of migra migration that they'll undertake, but there is also, you know, from year to year variability or or in, or changes. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of take a look back and say, you know, are there tools or data that we can look at to understand was this a a year of increased presence for these species here? Uh, off New York, um, or did we see a difference in in movement from these species that we did previous years? Um, even um, when we look at some of the fish movement data in Rhode Island, it it can be very different from year to year, and it can be very different from individual to individual. So just again, trying to continue to tease together the story that is sharks in coastal southern New England, I think, um, is paramount for both understanding, you know, just ecosystem changes over time, as well as um, informing the public as to where and when these things, uh, may, where they may be and where they might occur. Shifting from perhaps overly concerned tourist or beachgoer to more of a conservationist mentality now, we see obviously with wind turbines that have been introduced, the array off of Block Island is significant and there's obviously additional development that's taking place. Also something really not explicitly in Rhode Island, but in our general region is the increase in traffic from cargo vessels entering into New Jersey. That has been at least anecdotally linked to maybe um, negative interactions with whales. As man-made, um, as, as humans begin to insert themselves more and more into the ocean, either in the spirit of the blue economy or just in the spirit of you know, general commerce, what what does that mean for sharks? And I guess even expanding beyond that, just putting on your marine biologist hat, are we doing a good job right now of balancing the blue economy and sort of our need for an increase in oceanic commerce, maritime commerce, with the ecosystem that is, of course, always changing, but is also not necessarily um, designed to be disrupted the way it may very well be being disrupted now? Yeah, and I, I guess the the real question in terms of the the balance i would say it, i think one depends on societal goals because it, uh, as people know you know humans are part of the marine ecosystem right we are we are not uh outsiders watching the system occur we, people like to boat people like to fish people like to 
scuba dive, you know, that we are, we are interacting with the system and its resources, you know, as other animals within the ecosystem. So there is a component as to, of, of our interactions there um, that we have to continue to measure as well as within the larger ecosystem. And I think to answer your question, I think it comes down, if, if I could rephrase it, it, it seems as though the question often is, at what point is any anthropogenic impact measurable in the ecosystem, right? Like, when do we see some type of impact um, and what in what shape does that impact come? And ultimately, the challenge with a lot of these things is that we don't have any, we don't have um, really strong data to really inform how, how any type of activity will play out. So the short answer is it's, it's unclear. It's unclear how um, each species and individual res will respond to a given, um, whether, uh, whether it's a um, oil rig platform or an offshore wind platform or a increase in vessel traffic. You know, when you go through all the species within the food web and you go through all their life stages, right? Um, and it's, and all these things can be impacting species in different ways, whether it's um, altered habitat or electromagnetic fields now in in the in the area, or changes in oceanography as a result of structures being there. Um, there are all these different elements of the system that will, can and likely will change to some degree, and there and whether those have a direct or indirect measurable impact on each resources, resource is really unknown largely. And I think um, really warrants or calls for more science to be done to better understand how all of these various um, initiatives or you know developments will interact with the marine ecosystem. Last question here from just your own standpoint, and you, you had mentioned offline that you were from Massachusetts. Obviously that's not the same as being from, you know, Pluto, but you know, your experience with Rhode Island and the Department Department of Environmental Management and just sort of the operation that you you have on on a, a grand scheme. Obviously, your your you know, your your um, area of expertise is not necessarily in forest management or something like that. But but Rhode Islanders, you know, what should Rhode Islanders know about the DEM that maybe they don't know when they see the environmental police or they see the signs on the various fishing grounds or whatever? And they, you know, what's what's something that people might not know about the organization? Well, I'll, I'll say that, you know, we are largely a science informed entity, really trying to make informed decisions based on um, what we know, either from you know, scientific data, social science data, speaking with the public and getting their perspective and opinions on all types of matters. We're really trying to, we, we really are uh, an, um, an informed decision-making body that's looking to try and, uh, you know, promote, preserve, and protect our natural resources in the system here. Um, and that, you know, stretches, as, as you said, goes from everything from fish to wildlife to uh, state land, the forests, um, um, and you name it. And I think ultimately, um, you know, the big thing we're trying to do is not only, in, you know, enhance, protect and promote um, our natural resources, but also, you know, serve the public. You know, that's a that's a big that's really important to us in trying to ensure that people can experience all that Rhode Island has for in terms of its natural wonder. So um, for those who have uh, who like to, you know, who like to fish or like to hike or like to. Um, go to the beach, you know, that's a lot of what we do in trying to enhance 
um, people's experience in Rhode Island across those fronts, but also make sure that those activities are sustainable for years to come um, through the sustainable management of our natural resources. Connor McManus, DEM Rhode Island, talking sharks on a squelching July day. Doesn't get much better than that. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks so much for having me.